And normally I would dismiss the children, but I'm going to ask them to stay because we have something very special for you. Uh, the theme that God has given us for the next 45 days leading us into the new year is recognizing that the world in which we live has way too much bad news. Do you agree with that? And so you remember the angel said we bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people in all places. You know that the first four books of the New Testament are the story of Jesus when he was here. And there's wonderful accounts there that some of them are repeated in all four of those gospel stories. One of them is very special about a day that Jesus faced a great need and in his unlimited resources and power he met that need. Now I have a friend here at Calvary who has an unusual way of telling stories. Sue, would you please come? And Sue's going to tell us the story and then I've got some things I'd like to share with you after. Thank you, Sue. Well, good morning. If you are 10 years old or younger, would you raise your hand? Oh, good. Good. All right. I have something very special that I want you to help me with this morning. Will you do that? Okay. Now, I'm going to tell you a story, and it comes from the Bible. So if it comes from the Bible, we know it's what? It's true. Now, when I use my teaching stick to tell stories, I always like you to listen. And by the way, not, this isn't just for little kids. This, this story is for everybody, so I want you to listen, too. I might point you out and ask you something. I want you to listen for three special words today, and they start with this letter. What is it? But I want you to wait until I'm all done telling the story, and then I'm going to ask if you would raise your hand if you know what one of the special M words is, and then I'll call on you, and we'll see if you know that, okay? Jesus had been out in a boat all night long with his disciples, all night long. And as the sun came up, the boat pulled up to shore, and the disciples climbed out, and they were all standing on the shoreline talking about what they had done that night, um, how tired they were, they were hungry, who caught the biggest fish, who caught the most fish. And as they were standing there talking to each other, they heard a commotion down, down the shoreline down there. And when they looked down there, they saw hundreds and hundreds of people who were walking just as fast as they could. They wanted to get to Jesus so that they could hear the message that he had for them. And so here they came, and the disciples, you remember, had been working all night long. They were tired. And so they said, you know, we need a break. What if we just went up into that great big hill over there and rested for a while? So they did. They climbed up, up, up into that big hill. They found a tree, a big tall tree, and they sat down under it. They leaned back. They put up their feet, and they just relaxed for a while. And their eyes were closing, and just as they were going to fall asleep, up that hill again came all those people who were going as fast as they could to find Jesus and hear his message. Well, Jesus never says no 
when people want to hear his message. So he had them sit down all over in front of where he was. And he began to give them his message. And as he was giving them the message, he he heard a strange noise. And it it came from right over here. No, wait a minute. He, He heard it over here. No, it came from right down there. It was the people's stomachs. They were growling because they were so hungry. They'd been following Jesus for a long time, and they hadn't had a thing to eat. Well, Jesus called his disciple up to him, and he said, I'd like you to go down to town, please, and uh, buy some food for these people. Now, the Bible tells us that there were 5,000 men there. Now, there might have been 5,000 women there, too. They only counted the men. And if there were men and women, there had to be at maybe 5,000 kids. Who's good at math here? There could have been 15,000 people there that day. And the disciple, he reached in his pocket and he, he says, Lord, I've only got a couple of coins here. I don't have nearly enough to feed all of these people. 15,000. Well, about that same time, another disciple came up to Jesus and that very morning, and he had a little boy with him, just a little fella, just, just about the size of some of you guys. And that very morning, his mom had made him a lunch. And he looked up at Jesus, and, and he handed that lunch to Jesus. Now, Jesus opened it up, and he looked down, and he found one, two, three, four, oh yeah, five little loaves of bread, about the size of the little boy's fist, and two fish. And that's all that was in there. Well, the disciples, they were laughing their heads off. What are we going to do with five little loaves of bread and two fish? Well, Jesus told them to go down to town. He said to the disciples, you run down to that town and you find baskets and you bring them back here and you set them down all in front of me. And off they went into town. And pretty soon they were back with baskets and they set them down in front of Jesus. Then Jesus took that little boy's lunch, opened it up, bowed his head, and he blessed that food. And then he reached down and he pulled out that first little loaf of bread and he broke a piece off and he dropped it right into the basket. He did it again, reached in, got another piece, broke it off, dropped it into the basket. Next time, he grabbed a fish. And he broke that off, and he dropped it into the basket. And he did that again and again and again until the whole basket was filled with food. And then he handed it to his disciples and said, go on out and feed the people. And the the disciples were just amazed. But they went out, and and they fed the people. Would you like? Yeah, reach right in. Go ahead. Reach in. Yeah, you can have some. Would you like some? Yeah, reach in. Attaboy. Oh, yeah. Oh, you look hungry. Would you like some? Yeah, please. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Oh, greedy. There we go. Okay. And the people ate, and they ate, and they ate until they were filled, and they couldn't eat anymore. And then the disciples went out, and they collected the leftovers. 
what an amazing meal Jesus made for the people because they were hungry. He made them a wonderful meal. Now, let me ask you something. What do you think would have happened if when that little boy came, came to Jesus with his lunch, what, what if um, he looked at Jesus, looked at his meal, looked at Jesus, looked at his meal? You know, this is my meal. Um, my mom made it for me. If I give it to you, I'm not going to have anything to eat. Um, you know, you know I, I think I'm just going to keep my meal for myself. Do you know that if he had done that, he would have never been part of the miracle that Jesus did that day? But that little boy said, yes, to Jesus. And because he said yes to Jesus... He became part of the miracle. Jesus didn't need that little boy's lunch, did he? No, he didn't. Jesus could have made a huge meal for all those people. But he wanted that little boy to be part of a very special miracle. And so how can we say yes to Jesus? How can we do that? What could we do to say yes to Jesus? Could we obey our parents? Jesus loves it when you obey your parents. Could you read your Bible? Yeah, you could read your Bible. Could you pray and talk to Jesus? Yes, you could do that. He loves it when you do those things. Well, I want to see uh, right now if you know what the M words were in our story. Yes, what was one of them right here? The message that the people came to hear. They walked very far to hear that message. Does someone else have a, another? Yes, way back there. The miracle, because the little boy said what? What did the little boy say? To who? Let's try that again. He said what? Yes. To who? Yes. yes, there's one more. Yes, in the sparkly red. The meal he made because... The people were hungry, and Jesus knew that they had a need, and he filled that need for them. So the message they came to hear, the meal he made, and when you say yes to Jesus, you can be part of a wonderful miracle. Very good listening today. Thank you, Sue. Thank you so much. <laughs> well, thank you, brother. Isn't that wonderful? Children now, little ones up through grade four, there's other wonderful gifted teachers just like Miss Sue who's ready to receive you. So I'll dismiss you now as you go to your teachers, little ones up through grade four. And uh, for the rest of us, let's dig into that story a little bit more. You'll find it in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 14. And if you didn't happen to bring a copy of God's Word, the Bible, there's one under the chair in front of you, Matthew chapter 14. Now, now, you might think that that story came out of one of Jesus' best days. <laughs> I'd like us to consider that this good news of great joy for all people is a generous expression of God to a needy world, for God so loved the world. And so Jesus was in a generosity mode that day when a little boy's lunch was brought to him, and he generously multiplied that little lunch and fed maybe up to 15,000 people. 
Over the next 45 days, as we get ready to move into the new year, you and I are going to be faced with lots of opportunities to be generous. I've already thanked you for almost 700 shoeboxes, for more than 60 Thanksgiving baskets, for clothing, for the Clothing Outreach Center, and on and on. Thank you for being a, a conduit of the generosity of God to our broken world. But that's not how it happened. It didn't flow out of a wonderful, magnificent day. In fact, I want you to know that that miracle flowed out of a day of crisis for Jesus. He found himself in what I want to call crisis mode. Matthew tells us in the 13th chap verse of the 14th chapter, when Jesus heard what had happened, he withdrew by boat privately to a solitary place. Why? He needed peace and quiet to think because he had just heard news that was almost unbelievable. The previous 12 verses in that chapter tell us something that prior to just a few months ago would have been for us just kind of a Bible story. But if you saw the news this morning, it happened again. Beheading. Do you know what that is? The severing of a person's head from their torso while they are alive? The first 12 verses of this chapter tell us the horrendous story of the beheading of John the Baptist. And not only just his beheading, but his head was placed on a platter and it was brought into a banquet dinner party in mockery of who he was and the God who had sent him to be the forerunner of Jesus. So when Jesus heard the news of the beheading of his good friend John, he went, may I suggest uh, respectfully, into crisis mode. He grieved deeply and he longed for a chance to process the news, what had happened and how should he respond. My guess is there's somebody in this room who's in crisis mode today. Maybe more than somebody. My guess is in the next 45 days there will be many of us who will find ourselves suddenly facing a crisis. And I'd like us to learn from Jesus how do we respond to that. Because, uh, you see, my friends, what he did is he withdrew from the crowd and the noise to try to get some quiet time to think, to meet with God. You see, you face some options, my friends, when we're in crisis mode. You can do as he did. You can pull away from the crowd to reflect, to breathe deeply and rest, to reorient yourself to what God is saying to you in the crisis, or you might choose to run but you probably can't outrun the crisis. It'll follow you. You might choose to react, maybe even overreact and make a mess out of it. You might choose to resist God's help and in pride say, I know it's bad, but I can do it. I don't need your help, God. As Jesus stepped away from the crowd, I wonder if the Holy Spirit moved in his mind to remember a wonderful truth of the Old Testament that Isaiah wrote, I am God and there is no other. And I say, my purpose will stand. In other words, God saying, I know about the crisis. I understand it better than you do. And somehow it fits into my larger global purpose. Let me help you in it. Could you hold on to that for the next time you face a crisis? Now somehow, and Sue, I don't fully understand it, but somehow God stirred in his heart in his time of great pain and the generosity of God poured out and he fed 
15,000 people or so with a little boy's lunch. <laughs> but after that was all done, he still needed to grieve. And so it tells me in verse 22, after that was all over, immediately Jesus made the disciples get into a boat and go ahead of him to the other side of the lake while he dismissed the large crowd. And after he had dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. Hebrews tells us that when Jesus was here, he experienced the same kinds of things that you and I experienced. Have you discovered that when you find yourself in a crisis, probably it doesn't resolve itself in five minutes? Uh, probably, especially if it's a severe crisis, you can't process it and work through it in an hour or two. Do you find that sometimes, my friends, in the severity of the crisis, it takes time to grieve and to process and to work your way through? That's what happened here. Hey, geez, don't you love the sound? That's little Finn. Don't you love that? He's going to be in the choir someday. Amen. <laughs> I love the sound of little baby's voices, don't you? Now, where was I? No. <laughs> No, 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 it's all right. So Jesus, do you get the picture? He poured out with compassion all day long to these dear people, healing them and teaching them and feeding them. It's a model to you and to me. The next time we find ourselves in a crisis, while the natural tendency is to say, oh, this is, I, I want my pain to be resolved. I want my need to be fixed. I don't care about anybody else. Jesus modeled for us. He will empower us to be compassionate to others even when we are in our deep place of need. But after he had cared for them all, he went up on the hillside to say, Now, Father, I need your comfort. I need your help. I need to remember that you're God and there is no other, and you understand what's going on, and somehow it all fits into your purpose. While he's on the hillside, He's looking out over the Sea of Galilee, and it's turning nighttime now. The Sea of Galilee is shaped very differently from Geneva Lake, but they're about the same size. So if you would take long, narrow Geneva Lake with this little bump called Williams Bay, and you would make it round, more or less, it would be about the same size as the Sea of Galilee. So from his hillside, he could see all across the lake, and he could see the little boat with his friends in it, and he could see something they couldn't see. A storm was coming. And on that particular lake, because of the land around it and the shape, squalls come up on that lake sometimes very quickly. He had sent his disciples out onto the lake knowing full well a storm was coming. Can you grab a hold of the lesson? The next time a storm is brewing on the horizons of your life, God knows all about it. He knew about it before the first little black storm cloud started to appear on your horizon. Can you hold on to that? It's not a surprise to him. Now as he's sitting there on the hillside and now it's becoming dark, night, middle of the night. You ever been out in a boat, a sailboat without a motor, or a fishing boat, a rowboat, in the middle of the night and a storm, a serious storm comes up. In fact, would you look? Later that night he was there alone, verse 23, and the boat was already a considerable distance from the land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. Shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them walking on the lake. He had a choice. And he has the same choice when you and I face storms. He could sit on the hillside and say, Good luck, fellas, you're on your own out there. Or he could calm the storm without moving from the hillside. Or he could go out 
into the storm to be near his friends. The next time you're in a storm, remember that. He could say, suck it up, hang in there, you're on your own. He could say, no problem, I got it, and fix it. But probably what he's going to do is come out to you in your storm. But watch what he does when he comes into the storm. He didn't say, clear a place for me in the boat, I got this taken care of. He didn't stand on the waves and say, it's okay, fellas, I got it all under control. He came alongside and said to them, I'm here. Take courage, it's I. Don't be afraid. Mark tells us in his account that it looked like Jesus was going to actually walk right on by the boat. They were terrified, of course. They cried out, it's a ghost. This is no ghost. This is me, and I've come into your storm to be available to you. You see, when you and I face storms, we've got some choices to make, don't we? Just like when we're in the crisis, we have some choices to make. In the middle of your notes again today, I have put the three clusters of grapes that I put there last week. Would you look there for a moment? And I got two questions for you. Where do you go when you go into crisis? And how does your crisis mode affect the people in your clusters? And I'm suggesting again that you perhaps yellow in one grape in each cluster and maybe put your initials in that grape and then put the initials of the people in your family in those other grapes and the initials of the people in your workplace or your school and then the people who are a part of your social group or your neighborhood. And then ask yourself these questions. What do you do when you face crisis? Because watch this, friends. None of us lives in isolation. The way we respond to crisis ripples out from us and affects all the people in our clusters. And by now, your family and your co-workers and your friends, they've already got you figured out. And so they know that among us are some people, when crisis hits, scurry under your desk or under your bed because they're going to go into a zone that you don't want to be anywhere close to them. That's how they respond to crisis. Others are going to say, put in earplugs because when they go into crisis, all they do is talk. Doesn't make much sense. They just process talking. Others are going to say, open up your arms because when they go into crisis, they withdraw. When crisis faces any one of us, the way we respond affects the people around us. So think through that. Now, <laughs> Jesus had stepped into what I'm calling empathy mode. He cared deeply for what was going on in the boat, and so he stepped out to them, said, I'm available to you, and, and made it clear to them that, again, God's word speaks hope in the storm. Because these men knew the Old Testament well. I wonder if, again, the prophet Isaiah came to their minds, where the prophet Isaiah wrote that God was saying, do not fear, I'm with you. Do not be dismayed. In fact, would you say it with me, friends? You see it on the screen. Uh, do not fear, I I'm with you. Do not be dismayed, I'm your God. I'll strengthen you and I'll help you. The next time you see a storm coming, as much as you would like God to divert the storm away or calm the storm, grab onto that. I see it coming. Don't be afraid. I'm here with you in it. I will strengthen you. If you read through the rest of that wonderful Isaiah 41, I will take you by your right hand. 
Can you hold on to that kind of promised truth? Because, my dear friends, when you and I face crises, when we face storms, we face options. You see, we can ignore the fact that God is an empathetic God and cares. Uh, we, can, we can disrupt what's going on around us and the lives of the people around us and the way that we respond to the storms. Or if you're seeking to help somebody else in a storm, you can disrupt their lives by crashing in. Or you can seek to control the storm and your situation by saying, God, I don't need your help. I'm a big boy. I can handle this. Or, or you can say, God, thank you for being available to me in my storm. I want to be available to other people in their storm. God, thank you for hearing my prayer in my storm. God, I want to pray with other people as they're in their storms. God, thank you for bringing your help to me in my storm. I want to be a conduit, uh, an emissary of your empathy to other people in their storms. God will never force himself upon us in the midst of our storm. He will make himself available. Take courage, it's me, I'm here. Even though Matthew didn't write it, I wonder if he said, what would you like me to do? <laughs> I'm looking forward to meeting a lot of people in heaven. How about you? Peter's one of them. <laughs> I don't know what came over him. <laughs> Looks like a ghost to me, but if it's really you standing on the waves, tell me to come out to you. <laughs> John and the other, you've lost your mind. You're an idiot. Throw him out of the boat. <laughs> Jesus, according to Matthew, only responded with one word. Come. <laughs> I wonder if John was standing right next to him. Now what are you going to do? You put your foot in your mouth. You got yourself stuck in a... Now what are you going to... Do you see what Matthew says? <laughs> Peter got down out of the boat and what? Walked on the water. I can't explain it. But what it seems to me is happening here, Jesus was unleashing his mighty, miraculous power into a man who had great faith in the middle of a storm and he did something no human being has ever done before or since as far as I know and he never did again he walked on the waves one step five steps 20 steps I don't know but he walked toward Jesus because he was overwhelmed with the possibility of the moment Jesus was in a storm Jesus was standing on the waves Jesus had invited him to come and faith welled up inside of him <laughs> until it says he saw the wind. I don't understand. I don't see wind, do you? But you can imagine with this ferocious wind, the spray of the waves, and probably the sail was torn, and the boat is rocking in all directions, and the waves are splashing in his face. Fear overwhelmed faith. And he started going down like a stone because he got his attention, his focus off of Jesus standing on the waves and got his attention on the circumstances of the storm. Did it resonate in your mind? We've all been there and we're all going to be there again. A great storm and rather than keeping our focus on the Jesus who's standing on the waves of the, of the storm, we put our, our focus on the circumstances of the storm and we're almost overwhelmed. There's simply not enough money in the checkbook and the next check isn't going to cover it either. I'm overwhelmed. The relationship is pulling apart and I can't stop it and I'm overwhelmed. The deadline is coming and I can't prevent it. I'm overwhelmed. And he started to sink 
And I don't know how close he was to Jesus, but evidently close enough that Jesus could grab him and say, Peter, I'm here. Lift him up. Why did you doubt? I was right here. What happened to your faith? Jesus wasn't intimidating him or judging him or putting him down. He was helping him to recognize you were there. You were standing on the waves. I was empowering you in response to your great faith. Do you understand what happened? You allowed your faith to be overwhelmed by fear. Learn the lesson well. Uh. I wonder if, again, Peter, as he thought about that, reflected back in Isaiah, Isaiah 40, lift up your eyes. Who created all of this? <laughs> Those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. If, if you'll take the digging deeper that I write for you every week, and I work you through some of this this week, especially these great passages in Isaiah, because as much as I hate to, I, I need to warn you, storms are coming. And my guess is in the next 45 days, every person in this room and with us on the internet or listening to my voice on a CD, a storm is coming. It's part of the human journey. Am I right? Now, God could prevent it, but have you noticed that it's in the storms we learn and we grow? And the things that we learn and how we change as we grow, we then can help other people who don't know how to face the storms because they don't know Jesus. They've never heard the good news. So as the storm comes, welcome it, because in the storm, Jesus will be there. And he'll teach you, and he'll strengthen you, right? <laughs> it tells us they got to the boat, uh, verse 32, when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. Now, I don't know how Jesus did that. Maybe he stood in the boat, quiet. Maybe he just stood there and stared the waves down. But whatever happened, whew, was calm on that lake and how did those guys respond probably a little bit of this but then also just got on their knees we are in the presence of the storm calmer we are in the presence of the one who made this lake do you see truly you are the son of god jesus had now moved into what i'm calling rain mode he was reigning sovereign over the storm. You'll remember that as he returned back to heaven, he returned to reign, amen, over all things. So no matter where you or I are in the journey, he reigns, right? He's sovereign and he's supreme and he understands it all. Now, as he reigns, whether we're in a storm or everything is wonderful, we can pretend that he doesn't reign. <laughs> Have you noticed that at least in my life, I've noticed this. When I see a storm coming or when the waves are splashing all over me because I'm in the storm, I have a tendency to say, help! But when all is well, oh, so, sorry, I kind of forgot you were there for a week or a month. Same for you? When all is well, we can pretend either he's not there or I don't need his help. When the storm comes, our pride kicks in sometimes and we can refuse to let him reign. Or we can celebrate that he reigns. Amen. We can celebrate that he reigns and we can worship him. And then we can remember that, that Jesus had said, I'm the vine, you're the branches, stay connected to me. Because apart from me, you're going to face the storms all by yourself. 
So at the end of your notes, I ended up with a couple questions that I want to invite you. I love to give you homework because it helps you to take what we've done this morning and, and personalize it. If you've been with us the last few weeks, you'll remember that Jesus healed a leper, a paralytic. He, he changed Matthew's life. Matthew looked like he was all well and fine on the outside, but the inside was a mess. A man who'd been an invalid for 38 years last week, we saw that Jesus healed him. Today, the feeding of the 5,000. Jesus walking on the water, calming the storm. Jesus is unlimited in every situation. Amen? Now, that's a truth that you can either hold on to or reject it, but it's true. And so here's a place. So here's mine, and you see a long line. And what does that mean? It means you have the opportunity to identify what is your situation. Is there a storm coming? Are you in the middle of a storm? Is there a crisis that's beginning to well over you? Or is the sea calm and all is well? Whatever your situation is, I invite you to write it down on that line. And then the next line, and here's how I think Jesus sees it. How does Jesus see your situation uniquely, individually, where you are today? And then I want to suggest keep it, because the storms are coming. And when the storm comes... Don't call me. Open it up and go to Matthew 14 and call Jesus. Obviously, if you need my help, you can call me. <laughs> what do you think? Jesus is in his generous mode. He loves you and he loves me and oh, how he wants to enrich your lives as he reaches to us. And this month, these 45 days, with all that's going on, he wants thousands of people here in Walworth County to come to know him and experience his love and his power. Jesus is in his empathetic mode today, and if you're hurting, he knows all about it. And he wants to step into your storm and reach to you. If Jesus is at this moment, and he may be in a crisis mode, because he's watching horrendous, horrific things happen to his people in many places of the world, still pouring out of him is his generosity and his empathy. And Jesus for sure is in his reign mode, sovereign over all. Would you agree? So where are we? Let's talk to him about that right now. Lord Jesus Christ, thank you and praise you for who you are. Thank you and praise you, Lord Jesus, for the fact that you know what's going on in each of our lives. God, for some in this room, uh, it could be that they're visiting with us today and they live far from here or they're going to be traveling and going to warmer places or other places. God, we don't have to be together all in one little boat like those disciples were or all in one room like we are in order for us to experience your presence. You have promised us, I'll never leave you or forsake you. So whether we're in a crisis or in a storm or, or all is well, but there's one coming, you're here. We hear the voice of little Finn, and uh, God, that little voice reminds us we are helpless without you. And so we join that little voice and we cry, oh God, please, since you know what each of us needs better than we know our own needs, embrace us, please, with your generous love. In your empathy, please step into our storms with us and help us to have the courage to hand our storms over to you, to, to grasp your hands tightly in our storm, to invite you into every part of our lives in our storm, and then overwhelm us with the truth that you reign sovereign and supreme over all, and we trust you in it as we give you our lives, 
and we worship you now. 